down, that'd be great. Uh, we'll get started here in just a couple of minutes. doing something a little uh, little, little different today as we're kind of concluding this service, uh, this sermon series about Ask Jesus. And I want to let you know, it probably doesn't apply to most of you that are sitting here. It really applies to our people online. I want to encourage you guys to watch our service on our website today. I am going to be showing a, a video. It's about a five-minute video uh, here in just a few moments. It's, uh, it's a copyrighted video from America's Got Talent, and I want us to kind of uh, watch something there. But it's probably going to boot us off Facebook or YouTube because the algorithms, you know, they don't like that kind of stuff, even though we tried hard to just do that. But the safest place to watch it would be on our website. Uh, so uh, there's just kind of a link there. It's really easy to, to get on and, and, and do that. So I just wanted to let you know um, that that's going to be happening, happening today. So hopefully it doesn't interfere, interfere too much here in just a few moments. You know, as we walk through our lives, a lot of times when we see people, we have these four words that we say to them, right? We'll say, hi, how are you? Right? You, you guys do this all the time. This is what we say. And what do most people respond when you say this? I'm fine. Right? That's the word. Um, I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, psychologists and you know, people got together and they said, I think a lot of times what people mean when they say fine is I'm freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. That's it. You can look this up. People are like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Yeah, it, it doesn't really sound like everything's fine. Um, if, you know, that's kind of a bad descriptive word, uh, but it's kind of one of those things. And it's just sort of something that we've, that we've engaged in in our culture and just maybe something to think about. Hey, how are you doing today? Or how are things going? People say, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. But, but a lot of times that doesn't really mean anything. And maybe the, the larger question today is this. Why do we always believe that life or faith, as for that matter, always has to be awesome, always has to be just great and fine? I think sometimes we have to ask the question, and maybe this is the question we're asking today of Jesus, what if I'm not okay? Sometimes we go through times where we're not fine, where life is not okay. And sometimes that's a difficult thing. It's almost like the, the hi, how are you question is just a pleasantry to get through. You ever met that person that you say, hi, how are you? And they go, oh, let me just tell you. And you're like, oh, that's not really what I was asking. I just need a fine. And I need to go, let me tell you, something that I've learned around that is uh, you just look at people and go, hey, you doing good today? It's a yes or no question. If they go, no, you go, oh, I hope it gets better. And you just move on, okay? You don't ask them, how are you doing? Because that invites way too much conversation. We just want to move on with the pleasantries, don't we? But something that is very true about our world today that I think we need to hear is that Jesus meets us in the not okayness of life. Now, I know that's not, you know, for those of you English majors, it's a terrible way to say that. But Jesus tends to meet us in, in the not okayness of our lives. In fact, that's where we seem to find him the most. When he comes in his ministry, if you read the early part of the Gospels, Jesus is constantly addressing people who are not okay. If you go to Matthew 5, the first, uh, the, called the Sermon on the Mount, it's the first passage of Jesus or the first time that Jesus actually um, preaches to people. It's sort of a very interesting sermon if you understand this premise. Jesus goes up onto a mountainside. This is what the Bible says in Matthew 5, verse 1. Now, Jesus saw the crowds. He went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples come to him, and he begins to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He doesn't say, Blessed are you whose lives are all together, that nothing's wrong, that you're fine. 
This is a word for people that are not like you. If you're struggling in faith, this is a word for you. That's what Jesus is doing. And he does that in a way. He calls these the blessed. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, because they'll be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, because they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Jesus is speaking to people who are not okay. And he recognizes them. And he's telling them, something is changing. Life's going to be okay. Now, I don't know if this is uh, something that happens to you. I'm sure it happens to all of us. Every now and then, uh, you'll be on your phone or you'll be, you know, looking something up on YouTube or whatever it might be. And, uh, and something will pop up. And I, I, just, I came across this video. Some of you maybe have already seen it. I've kind of edited it uh, a little bit. And this is probably what's going to get us kicked off. But I've called this kind of the unlikely testimony. Because sometimes testimonies, uh, you know, we, we always think testimonies end with this grand gesture of faith or something like that. But sometimes we can just be affected or touched by, by people who say things, even though it may be not, uh, maybe not overtly is about God, um, we can see the overtones in the midst of this. And so I'd like us to watch this video together as well. to be here. Well, we're happy you are. What's your name? My name's Jane. When I sing, I go by Nightbird. Oh, that's nice. Nightbird? That's right. I'm singing an original song called It's Okay. Uh, it's Okay is the story of the last year of my life. Um, I have not been working for quite a few years. I've been dealing with cancer. Can I, can I ask you a question? How are you now? Uh, last time I checked, I had some cancer in my lungs, my spine, and my liver. Wow. So you're not okay. Uh, well... Not in every way, no. Good. It's important that uh, everyone knows I'm so much more than the bad things that yes. happen to me. All right. Sing for us. Thank you. 
funny because fingers come on and, and, I, and I think about authenticity. You know, when you feel it, when it moves you, that felt like the most authentic thing I have heard this season. And I, I totally agree with what Howie said, you know, about authenticity. There was something about that song, Austin, the way you just almost casually told us what you're going through. And, you know. You can't wait until life isn't hard anymore before you decide to be happy. singers this year um, and I'm not going to give you a yes I'm going to give you something else something about that video that kind of touched me uh, because I think this is who Jesus is speaking to. Maybe that just sets some modern day context for, for our story when we come into the present. I love some of the things, there were four things that, that she said that I thought were just well worth remembering. Uh, the first one was she said, I'm so much more than the bad things that happened to me. I thought that was so powerful. That sometimes we spend our lives looking at, hey, what's the worst thing that's ever happened in my life? And let me define my life by that instead of something far better. Uh, the song that she sings, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. We're all a little lost sometimes. What a great admiration. Why are we so afraid of that kind of language if we are a little bit lost, it, it says it at the end of the, story, end of the song as well. It's all right to be lost sometimes. I don't know why we have such a hard time in our lives to admit maybe we don't quite know exactly how this is all going to work. And then the final one that she says that I think is probably the most powerful thing that she says. Can't and wait until life isn't hard anymore before you decide to be happy. You can't wait until you've got everything together before you can say, I'm ready now to step into faith, or I'm ready to, to step towards what I need to step towards. This is why it's so important that Jesus meets us in the not okayness of life. That's where he meets us. And we kind of forget that. I think sometimes we think we've got to put on a good show for Jesus. And he's saying, I'm just wanting you to, to give me you where you are. And so I'm going to walk through four different passages today, or three different passages today, and I want to give us some affirmations uh, about maybe some words that God would give to us if we were these people. Number one is this, we must admit, uh, we must acknowledge our brokenness in life. Now, notice it doesn't say we must blame our brokenness. We must acknowledge the areas of our lives 
that we're a little broken. Because when we do that, Jesus gives us a word, and then we must accept his value on our lives. We must say, this is who you said I am. And it's bigger than this brokenness that I'm going to. The brokenness is something that's happening to me. It's not me. One of the worst things we can do is take the worst things in our lives and say, that's who I am. And even in Jesus' time, some of the stories we're going to read, people had been told so many times, your brokenness is who you are, and you're just a lost cause. Now Jesus speaks to them. Let's look at this first story here. They're all uh, interesting stories, and I'll tell you something that I didn't do intentionally, um, although maybe I should have said I did intentionally, because it just makes me seem kind of smart, but uh, it was completely unintentional, and I have to be confessional, and blah, 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 whatever. Um, Luke chapter Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 36, says this. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and was reclining at the table. A woman in that town who had lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at a Pharisee's house, so came, came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee, who had invited Jesus, saw this, he said to himself, if this man were really a prophet, he would know who is touching him, what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed, a cer- uh, owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither one of them had the money to pay back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which one of these do you think will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. Well, you judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, So he looks at her, but he talks to him. Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You you did not give me a kiss. This is the traditional greeting. But this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't pour oil on my head and she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, Her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus says to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. She she acknowledges her brokenness. And Jesus in this moment gives her value. And I would imagine, we don't have the rest of the story of this woman, but I would imagine that that was a life-changing moment. That was a gold buzzer moment for this woman. It changed her life. She had to acknowledge her brokenness first. The second one is sometimes we have to confess our doubts to God. You know, we sing songs. uh, We have a a few that, that talk about, you know, God never fails. He never fails us. He won't fail us. Or we read Passages like 1 Corinthians 13 that talks about love being patient and kind. And we, we know, we acknowledge that these are the attributes of God. And at the end of that, in verse 8 of chapter 13, it says, it says and, and love never fails. A nice way of, a powerful way of saying God never fails. 
although sometimes we feel like we don't. You're living in life and you're going, God, I'm just ready for you to show up any day now. I feel like I'm ready for you to do the big thing you want to do in my life. And I don't feel like you're showing up. Sometimes we have to confess our doubt and trust his leading in our life. God will lead us to the place that he wants us to go and we have to be willing to follow. But sometimes we have to say, I'm having a hard time believing right now. Here's another story out of John, John chapter 12. This is after the resurrection of Lazarus. Jesus is at Mary and Martha's house as well. And it says this, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, who Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who would later betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It's worth about a year's wages. He didn't say this because he really cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and the keeper of the money bag. And he used to help himself to it all the time. Leave her alone, Jesus said. It was intended that she save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Now, if you read the story in John 11, right before Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, Mary and Martha, both in their own right, go and talk to Jesus. And Mary is is very broken, and she confesses to Jesus I've had my doubts in you. You know, you're this great guy that's kind of walked with us on this journey, and when we really needed you, you didn't show up. And I'm not sure if I should believe in you anymore. And this is a moment that kind of looks very similar to the story we read a minute ago, but, but it's a moment where she is actually confessing her doubts. And Jesus leads her from here. And she trusts him. Number three is this, we must admit our lostness. Because <laughs> when we admit our lostness, not just in faith, not just because of sin, sometimes just our aimlessness of how we're, we're living out our faith, we don't quite know what to do. When we admit our lostness, we receive his saving grace in our lives. If you go to John Chapter 8, this will be the last story I read today. John chapter 8. Uh, there's kind of a unique story that happens here. What I realized last night as I was looking through this <laughs> is that all these life-changing moments have one thing in common. They all happen at the feet of Jesus. As I was preparing this, I'm like, how did I miss that? But I think there's a reason for it that you'll see in a second. John 8, beginning in verse 3, it says, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group. And they said, this woman has been caught in adultery. The law of Moses commands us to stone this woman. Now, what do you say? They're using this as a question in order to, a basis for trapping him and accusing him. But Jesus bends down. By this point, they put this woman on her knees. Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground. 
And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said, Well, let any, any of you that is without sin be the first one to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first and then the younger ones, until only Jesus and the woman were there. Jesus straightened up and then said, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, Go and leave your life of sin. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. These stories is that Jesus loves us in the in the not okayness of life. You know, something that occurred to me as well is the only way that we actually meet Jesus is in brokenness and doubt and fear and lostness. That's actually where we meet him. I think sometimes we think we're going to meet Jesus kind of in in this face-to-face mode. But it is only when we come to terms with who we are and where our lives have led that we actually will learn and know who Jesus is. In John, I mean in Luke 19 verse 10, Jesus says, The Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. If you can't admit you're lost, you can't meet Jesus. Because that's where Jesus meets people. He says it. I have come to meet you in your lostness, in your brokenness, in your doubt, in your fears. That's where where I'm going to meet you. And if you can't admit those things, then you and I are not going to have a meeting. All of these altercations come in this very intimate moment with Jesus when people feel vulnerable and lost and alone. And that's where Jesus speaks his sweetest words to us. There's something powerful about that. I know we give a lot of lip service when we say it's okay to not be okay. And I think we we like to say that to each other because it it makes us feel somewhat comfortable about, about what's happened or what's gone on. But I want to tell you this. Maybe you find yourself in your life not being okay. And that's, 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 that's what it is. I want you to hear that it's okay. If, if, if you're at church today and you're like, you know, I don't know if I believe all this. It's okay. God meets many people along the road right there. okay, it's fine. As long as you're just okay with Jesus. You can overcome anything in your life as long as you're okay with Jesus. And maybe you're at a time where you experience brokenness and fear and doubt and all these other things we've talked about. Maybe today that's just, maybe you've told your spouse that actually, it's not okay right now. As long as you're okay with him, a word in the midst of that that hopefully that hopefully we will speak so this morning we're going to end I actually thought this sermon might take a bit longer than this but I heard the rush to do it and all of that cover it um, we're going to have just a little time that we're just going to kind of make our way up here and then we'll share the Jewish Christmas song um, we're going to sing we're going to sing a little song we're going to have a little bit of an instrument instrumental interlude um, but the song
song called Come to the Altar. It really is a song about coming to Jesus, about making our way to, to where he is. And I think that there's something powerful about having this moment where we just kind of admit to God what's not okay in our life. Your life might be going really well. There might be 10 things that are just amazing. You might have a great job and your marriage is good and your friend group is great and all these other things. And that might be, that might be super powerful. But maybe something in your life isn't okay right now. And this is a safe place to be able to admit that and share that. Because Brad said it this morning, we didn't, we didn't have that planned. But he said, you know, Jesus is in this room. Jesus is here which means we have the privilege, the opportunity, the ability to come to the feet of Jesus and to just offer him what's not okay. And so there's nothing real magical about this. There's nothing, um, it's not like a particular recipe you have to follow to get it. Sometimes we just have to be really honest with ourselves about where we are and what we're going through. So I know that going to be some people up here, but I just encourage you wherever you are, maybe just bow your head for a minute. Maybe just offer to God what, what is already his. He just wants you to tell him. If you're not okay, maybe this is just a personal moment where you, where you share your not okayness with him. Or maybe it's one of those that you say, you know, I haven't told anybody this and I want to tell somebody this, so I want somebody to pray for me in regard to this. So I hope that today we can give you that. So if you wouldn't mind, let's, let's just bow our heads and Take a few moments and just uh, just think about that. Leave me 
Yeah. 